accumulating sex under extortionary measures or, or false pretenses is a sexual assault. And it should be. It absolutely should be. Well, I mean, you know, or maybe it's breach of contract. Well, call maybe it what you will, though there should be consequences. It's not breach of contract. It's well, simply, it's You, you it's wouldn't consider this an oral contract? No, I wouldn't, Pat. I wouldn't, Pat. And that was a terrible pun. Uh, well, okay. Now, see, I used to start the show a certain way. From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Lately, the judicial system is like a vending machine at the bus station, always out of order. Judges that don't use judgment, justices who actively defy justice, and when it's served, they sit at the head of the table and parse it into slices so thin they've only got one side. More often than not, that side is the left. From the Ninth Circuit out west, defying executive orders written to their specifications, political grandstanding at its most transparent, the alleged home state of 44, I don't believe it, to the Midwest, where the halls of justice are fitted with revolving doors, spinning in dereliction of their duty to enforce existing gun laws, the streets of Chicago running with blood in service of the liberal agenda of greater gun control. On to New York City, well, judges and justices are just hardly the best friends of law enforcement. Well, time to hang a sign on the machine so we can pick up our snacks before we get to the bus station instead of putting our quarters, nickels, and dimes into a judiciary. That has plenty of Snickers bars and cheese crackers, but won't dull one out no matter how much change you put in the slot. And, uh, that's where the analogy breaks down. It's about to uh, Joining me now, Jim Poke. Well, you know, if we're going to do the whole uh, right-wing diatribe crap, I could just go. No, I'm ending that now. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> Uh, very happy to have you here. Happy very to happy be here. You made time uh, to Apparently do this Apparently I was show. requested to be back. Yeah. We, there, people are clamoring. Wow. I, they clamoring. I, I'm interested to see them clamor. Well, <laughs> they're clamoring, you know, via social media. They're yeah, clamoring over my uh, Patreon account where uh, I keep uh, close contact with fans on the new monthly uh, basis, which is exciting. And uh, thanks to everybody who's come along for that. Uh, however... Um, you know, and, and, and I know that, that you and I believe differently. I don't care. I don't I, care at all. Who gives a shit? You know, yeah, it, I, it, it, it makes it, uh, it makes it interesting, uh, to hear what you have about, uh, mostly I like to talk to you about the law. Well, there's right, there's wrong, and there's the law. That's what I know. Now, court officials plan to demote an unhinged Supreme Court judge. Uh, Justice Joan Kenney publicly embarrassed herself by showing up late for a hearing and then throwing a fit at reporters, said the justice... You can't write down everything I say. I think out loud. <laughs> Don't humiliate me, she added. In this courtroom, I'm the boss. Mm. She then called a reporter a wise ass because he told her that she was making herself the center of attention instead of the case. Well, she's expected to lose her appointment to the state Supreme Court and be returned to the city court where she will be paid $14,000 less in salary. Well, it's, a, it's an expensive outburst. Yeah, I guess so. Well, you know, she's not very popular already. You know, she doesn't have a lot of friends on the Supreme Court. No, no, apparently not. I mean, I think even, even uh, if I remember this story, one of the lawyers even mentioned that she'd been found unfit to be a judge. Yeah. Repeatedly by the Bar Association. Um, well, that says a lot about it, uh, somebody who's in that position, doesn't it? Well, it says a lot about, uh, about the screening process to become a judge. Like, I mean, the one body that sort of does it says you can't do it, and you've been doing it. <laughs> I mean, when you think that through, it's, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, 
there's not a lot of oversight. And I mean, you know, from the first thing is, is the, the funniest part about what you said is, is there's several people in the courtroom who are literally writing down everything you say. <laughs> not just reporters. There's a thing yeah. called a record. <laughs> I guess they figure on the record, uh, you know, like, well, that's not going to, you know, it's not going to the post. No, no, it's not. But you would also think that I like the idea she walks into the courtroom, sees a reporter, and her idea is to double down on the insanity rather than rein it in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, not, not, a, not a very uh, high watermark for her anymore. Not good judgment, I would say. That's the thing about the. That's what I was saying about the judgment. They don't. They, yeah. Sometimes they have poor judgment, you know. And and, and it seems like. It, why is it that sometimes the uh, things that judges decide seem to go against common sense? Well, I mean, do they or don't they? I mean, it's 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 um. I mean, you know, you you look at things from the the standpoint of common sense. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, there's there's certain policies that the law takes into effect, and not only that. What we think of as common sense is what we read in a blurb on the post. What we read in the blurb on a quick site, click, click, clickbait website. Now, I when mean, you say, now you're including we. I know you mean me. Well, yeah, I don't fine. read the post. <laughs> you don't put yourself in that category. You just described it. I anyway. actually do by the post because I think their sports coverage is the best. Okay, right, but but you're ignoring what I said. Yeah, uh, and, and and that's a strategy that's popular. Uh, with the left, uh, what's his name does the same thing. Oh right, David right. Feldman. Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 Feldman strategy. does the same thing. As opposed to the right, where you just sort of make something up and proclaim it true loud enough. Well, you just said that the reason that things are not common sense is well, certain policies that take effect. Plus, people are stupid. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as to the people are stupid, whether it's the left or the right, I do feel that way. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, of course. But I mean, it's it's um. I mean, think about it. It's like, all right, you know. I mean, it's it's somebody rapes your wife, so you shoot him in the head. Okay, yep. that's common sense, isn't it? Well, Law is not going to favor you for that. You really? can't have people going around enacting their own justice. That's just the first step towards anarchy, and that's the very antithesis of law and organized society. The antithesis of law and order in society? Are you kidding me? That is the very personification, the very... That's, that's living proof of justice. absolutely not. It is well, look, absolutely okay, not. Okay, so, so let's say you have a gun, someone's raping your wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's not the analogy I proposed, got- though. Now you're just changing the facts. <laughs> oh, wait, okay. Well, I'm sorry. What was it then? I said oh, somebody my rapes wife. your wife. <laughs> and, somebody rapes my wife. And then you go and shoot them. Okay, but I'm saying, what do you do instead? They get arrested. They go through the judicial system. They have a trial by jury. And they're punished according oh, to society. But, but yeah, but like... You don't get to just enforce justice yourself, despite no. the common sense okay. nature of it. That's okay. what I'm talking about. Okay. But what if you interrupt the rape? Well, that's a different situation. That's a okay. different set of facts. Well, how is, it's the, but it's the same. It, it's actually very much the same. No, it's not the same. Because what I'm Why? talking about is you're doing vigilante justice. What you're talking about is interfering with a crime in which somebody's health, safety, life could be in danger. Okay, so what's the amount of time that has to go by? Before it well, if you walk in on the danger. rape and you stop at killing the person, that's likely defense of yourself or others. I understand. It's you come home, find your wife has been raped, said this guy does it. You go out and hunt him down with a gun and kill him. That's a very different. No, fact. I understand. I'm saying, yeah. how long do you have to wait before you shoot the guy before it turns into vigilante justice and it's no longer defending your home? Well, probably if the rape is done and he's gone, it's probably vigilante justice. At that what point. if he's just right outside though? Well, I mean, that's still probably vigilante justice at that point. What if he is leaving, but still in the home, about to walk out the door, that's saying, I'm still, leaving, I'm leaving? That's still probably vigilante justice. Really? You're in past the home? The, yeah, because your job is not to catch him. Your job is not to, 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 to kill him. Your job is not to execute justice or to, to stand in as law enforcement. You think a and grand jury want, would indict on that? We huh? don't want people. Uh, probably not. And that's the safeguards you have for somebody in that situation. But that flies in the face of common sense. It does. 
Well, oh, to not indict? No, no, to 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 indict the guy. To 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 not do that. Mm-hmm. That's a good example. Yeah. And plus, a lot of women got raped in it. That's well, your favorite thing. <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> uh, like the maxim says that if it, if it bleeds, it leads. Now, focusing on blood alone would eventually bore you, and to bore you would compromise my integrity as a journalist. Well, there's enough media comment and morbid pontificating about the blood spilled already. It's just one bodily fluid. It would seem in the realm of crime reporting, there's a clear anti-semen bias. In the Boogie D on Grand Concourse in East 163, police arrested a man for following a teen and her two younger cousins into an elevator and masturbating onto her. And in New York, visitors take note, that is illegal. Uh, police had been looking for the suspect since the attack about three weeks back. The description noted the suspect was last seen wearing Nikes. That helps. Doesn't narrow it down much. <laughs> but uh, as we like to say, you can't buy that kind of advertising. It was also noted he wore an Orlando Magic hat. So he's like the shack of jerking off onto <laughs> children. In fact, uh, he's now in custody, and his name is 23-year-old Shaquille Farish. Well, he's the only other Shaquille that I've heard of. Do you know another one? I actually don't, which he's, is saying something. He's not an internationally... <laughs> He's not an inter he represents a lot of people. Uh, he's not an internationally famous athlete, of course, but uh, he did make the daily news for jerking off onto a kid. Now, ironically, he was spotted when he was on his way to a Bronx court appointment. <laughs> I love this. When he was recognized and reported by a good Samaritan snitch. So he was arrested for burglary, reckless endangerment of a child, and sexual abuse. Held on $50,000 bail. That doesn't sound incredibly high, but I guess uh, it's more than he's got. Well, it doesn't also bode well for him that he was on his way to a court appointment and decided to commit a pretty gross misdemeanor on the way. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I mean, it's like it certainly it certainly shows his respect for the procedures and his likelihood to not reoffend or 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 return to court. I mean, I'm not. It's a very high bail for the Bronx. I will confess, it is a very high bail for the Bronx, is but it? I'm not sure entirely unwarranted under these particular circumstances. So, yeah, they're like, so wait, let me get this straight. <laughs> And he, he, I guess he just peeled. You know, sometimes in the spring, you see these women. This happened, uh, the crime was April 30th. Uh, I usually don't give dates, but just to give you a frame of reference for the springtime effect, it's the breeding season. You know, we, we breed all year, you know, most of us. Some mm -hmm. of us, I don't, I don't know how often you breed, but, but we are capable of breeding all year. And uh, many of us do. Uh, I've never made a child, but I've, I've certainly uh, done everything that would lead up to that, uh, you know, on, in a natural circumstance, which is anything but... Anything, but I was about to say that's a good that's a good pun. Yeah, sometimes they're accidental. Sometimes you just think they are. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is that like this uh, April thirtieth attack is is like because you know uh, women start to uh, become sexier uh, to men in the spring. It's like flowers. Even the flowers are fucking. You know what I mean? Because they're spring. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna stop this now. Why? Um, because you're wrong. They do. No, you, I, no, I don't no. think I don't think women are getting attacked. What if because they're it, sexier in April? Well. Sometimes they are. I mean, I think I think maybe women will start dressing sexier when the weather gets warmer. I don't I didn't really say dressing. I, I don't really think that. that makes them complicit in their own I sexual did. assaults. Well, that, I mean, you're reading all that in. What I well, said that's, is no, that's that's where you were heading there. Let me let me let me say it a different way. Uh, in in the springtime, a, a man's fancy turns to love. That's that's a, an old adage or something. Uh, sure, sure. And that's what I'm saying is that in the springtime, a guy feels extra charged up. And so my attitude is, you can. 
jerk off in your bathroom and keep that shit to yourself. Well, I couldn't agree more. Now, for uh, he, he was uh, arrested ten times since 2011, uh, and uh, April 6th was the most recent for beating a man who had an order of protection against him. That did a good job. I'd say that the that 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 crime regarding the. Uh, it says a lot regarding the impact of an order of protection. Oh, absolutely. It's it's rather instructive. Now, uh, they tell you when you go to get an order of protection, you try to get one, they're like, mm. <laughs> you can have every reason in the world, and they'll still go, well, here's the thing. It, well, I mean, it, and it, it is functionally a piece of paper. Yeah. It's not bulletproof. And, and, and if you have something like that, then you're dealing with somebody who you fear may bodily hurt you. Yes. So they're not going to obviously live within the confines of the law. Just because you tell them to, so there's that. But but like at the same time, it, it also sh- it helps you uh, in the event that something like that happens. It probably helps you prosecute them absolutely more effectively. Absolutely yeah. does because you guys, I saw this coming. Well, because also the crime now is simply being in the presence of that person. It's a crime, just meaning for being even there. if yeah, I mean even if you even if you were able to beat the assault, you were able to beat everything else. You're gonna have a hard time explaining why you and him were in the same spot when there's an order of protection against you. Mm-hmm. And here's the uh, the dumb part: the order here's, was, it was Pat. You're gonna like this story. Okay. I had a client once whose own child was evidence against him that he violated an order of protection. How did that work? Well, the kid was conceived while there was an order of protection in place. <laughs> the paternity test sunk him. I'll be damned. Not only that, not only child support, but he's got to go to jail. I, I I thought you would like that story. Well, I I like the fact that it reminds us, you know, to not ever come inside anybody, especially if there's an order of protection. Like you said, it's a piece of paper. It yep. can't even stop a child from being conceived. <laughs> nope. The dumb part is that this order was due to expire May 5th. <laughs> this guy couldn't wait a month to beat this guy up. <laughs> this guy, Moving to the order of protection probably should have been issued here. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Uh, he has no impulse control. That's, Clearly my, that's not. my verdict on this guy. You know, he just cannot do it. Yeah, no, that, that, there's a lot of, the evidence on that is really mounting up. Mm-hmm. So now the 50,000 bail looks even better. Because now he's already flagrantly disregarding orders of the court. I and then masturbating on his way to the court appointments. Well, and here's the interesting thing about it. He says, it, the headline even, it says, uh, masturbated onto her. Yeah, yeah, that's so, pretty disgusting. So that kind of like leads you to it puts you in the mind of uh, you know that he came on her, right? It's I mean it's gross in any context. Like I hate when you like miss and it lands on like your like you know on like your arm or something. I mean it's just like <laughs> takes forever to get that shit out. Yeah, like uh, like he he masturbated near her, you know, yeah, right? near onto her. He yeah. missed. If he missed, I, I I don't think they would say it in here. I feel like they would just give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'll, they, you know, they didn't, there's no charge for like destru- destruction of property or anything, so it wasn't onto her clothing, I guess. Yeah, no, no, and I mean, yeah, it's. I am looking at. Um, you just put up the. Uh, you just pulled up the actual article. Yes. I'm pretty sure he was an NWA. <laughs> <laughs> this guy looks like MC Ren. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, he definitely fits the profile. Uh, there's another story immediately following. This guy uh, did a similar thing, not exactly the same. The girl was a little younger, and. Uh, you know, well, quite a bit younger. Uh, the cops are looking for a guy. They haven't caught him yet. They say groped a six-year-old girl and her eight-year-old sister while they were playing on the stoop of a Brooklyn building. And a, uh, the creep approached the girls near 8th Avenue and 50th Street in Sunset Park around 6.45 p.m. That's a dangerous time. Uh, that must be shift change or something. I don't know what happens. You ever try to get a cab when they're changing? It's, oh, it's the worst. So May tw- this is, uh, yeah. He grabbed the younger girl's groin area and her older sister's buttocks. He got a little piece of both mm. before taking off down the muffin block. 
It's groping season. Yeah, it is groping season. And you know, it's just a it, it's really it's a disgusting thing that occurs. Yeah, you know, it really is. It's it's, it's uh, a big nasty city. You can't let your six and eight year old just be outside playing on a stoop in Sunset Park at no. six forty five. It's uh, you know, which actually, like in the context, I mean, for all those listeners who don't know the neighborhood, that is about as safe as you could possibly be in New York. Is it really? Oh wait, wait did you say Sunset Park? I said Sunset Park. Oh, never Park. mind. I, for some reason, I had my head Park Slope. Like no, I, Park Slope. Yeah, Leafy yeah. Park Slope, where the mayor lives. Yeah, I mean that. That I mean, you couldn't be safer there. No, but Sunset Park is. Uh, it's changed a lot. You know, my 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 wife is actually from Sunset Park. No kidding. And they used to call it Gunset Sunset back in the day, but it's it's apparently gone more Chinese and more uh, gentrified. Okay. Or if that's a word, we still use gentrified. Well, uh, yeah. Well, I could probably be called a gentrifier, but uh, although oh. I guess I went to from I went into a old person's nice neighborhood, and now it's getting slightly younger nice neighborhood. But uh, yeah, well, you're getting older every day. Well, that is true. Uh, well, a Long Island man on trial for murder walked away with a sweetheart deal this week after his defense attorney learned a prosecutor had failed to turn over reams of case notes, including those that other people had confessed to the crime. 32-year-old Messiah Booker was in the middle of a trial. First of all, who names their kid fucking Messiah? This is a a more common um, defendant name than you'd expect. I've represented several Messiahs over the years. Well, then your ticket to heaven is guaranteed. You would think. He was in the Apparently middle. the screening process to be a messiah has gone down since the Jesus days. Well, he was a criminal, too. Well, that's true. Death penalty. For the 2013 slaying of Dimitri Hampton, 21, he was able to plead guilty to second-degree burglary in exchange for five years behind bars. Uh, he had been facing life. Uh, Suffolk County DA Thomas Spoda immediately demanded and got Prosecutor Glenn... <laughs> Kurtz Rock's resignation. He's from the Flintstones. Yeah, he looks like it too. If you've seen it, does he have a protruding brow? Kind of. Like I mean, he could he could very easily be a live action Fred Flintstone. Well, I've that, known Glenn for a while. That's your problem, then. I guess you know he's he's a caveman lawyer. This is a this is a good piece of lawyering here by Brendan Ahern, a friend of mine. Um, Brendan was the head of vehicular crimes for the Misdemeanor Bureau in uh, Nassau County, and he's he's been out on his own for a number of years now. And he is a top-flight attorney. He was in the news last year for getting a um, vehicular case dismissed out in Suffolk County, and now he took care of this one. And this one was, this one was pretty bad. Well, Hampton was shot in the chest in his Flanders home as he attempted to stop a robbery. So it sounds as if uh, it, it was a murder committed in the act of committing another which crime. Is felony which, murder. Which makes it felony murder in capital, possibly, yes. right? Well, you, we don't have capital punishment, but it makes it a potential life. But if it's federal, doesn't that... Uh... It's not federal. This was a state. Okay. But it was in the commission of a robbery. Yes, but that means that uh, that means it gets upgraded from second degree murder to first degree murder, which carries a life sentence. And that's that instead of twenty five to life. Instead of twenty five to life, yes. Well, this guy has five years to do now uh, for a burglary charge. Wow, this guy who's dead. If only he could have lived. If only he could live to see that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, like to go. What? <laughs> Are you fucking burglary? Well, what, what he Kurtz, blew me away in the chest. Yeah, what Kurtz Rock actually did was pretty ridiculous, too. Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's did, a Brady Rule violation. A huge one, and I mean, he made like two years of records disappear. Now, a Brady Rule violation is when you have evidence that you don't turn over to the defense. Yeah, Brady is called, uh, it's from a case called Brady versus Maryland, and it basically says if the prosecutor is in possession of uh, any evidence that tends to exculpate the defendant... Um, it must be turned over, otherwise you can face sanctions for it. Yeah, you hold on to that expulcative evidence. 
you are losing the case and taking a big career hit. Will this guy hand in his resignation? Will he not be able to practice law anymore? Oh, no, he'll probably be able to practice law. I don't know if there's going to be an ethics complaint against him or not. I mean, there probably has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Who would and, make that? Oh, I mean, I think Brendan would have to. Um, you know, it's, you're under an obligation if you know of unethical behavior by another attorney. You have to report it to the ethics committees. Otherwise, you're in on it. Yeah, otherwise you're committing one, too. Well, a Nigerian national, now this is a guy who's lived in Brooklyn since 2005, is demonstrating how diversity makes our country stronger. 35-year-old... This is going to be offensive. Folks, get in there. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to... Yeah. You, you, can't, you cannot co-sign what this guy did. I mean, this guy stole more than... I've ever heard of anybody stealing. I mean, this is it, it's crazy. And he didn't use a gun. He did it with a pen. And <laughs> sounds police. like a Woody Guthrie song. He's an entrepreneur. Thirty-five-year-old uh, Addery Bigby Ogundiran used aliases, corporate alter egos, imposters, forged driver's license, and forged notarizations to help him steal six properties across Kings County. He even hired seniors to pose as dead people and file phony ownership deeds. In all. The suspect employed six people to give him, uh, gain, help him gain control of the properties, including buildings in Crown Heights, Bedlam, Crime Essence, and East New York, the capital of crime. But these properties were not all shitholes. Uh, one of the properties was a 10-bedroom mansion in Fort Greene. And that well property, done. yeah, it would be the root of his undoing, though, because the owner of the mansion had died. His sister was still living there. And uh, <laughs> Oops. he tried to serve her with an eviction notice. And then things kind of got out of control from there. Uh, it, by the way, the neighbors described the, the, the stately building and the 77-year-old uh, shut-in living there as, quote, a mess. Had broken windows, a mattress blocking the front doors. One neighbor said that uh, he gave his name as Izzy. And he said that uh, she's got 85 cats living in there. Well, He said it stinks around here. It's terrible. Well, I love it when one they corrupt show... criminal runs into one good old-fashioned New York crazy person. Yeah, they really... It really is like the unstoppable force of the immovable object colliding. Well, in this case, the immovable <laughs> object won. Yep. <laughs> because the suspect was discovered uh, after that eviction notice. Ogundiran was arraigned uh, on multiple grand larceny charges, faced up to 25 years behind bars. Uh, so what do you think of that? I mean, like... This it, is it, actually... This is this sort of real estate scam is very common. Um... You know, um, it's it's if you want to say if it's diversity making our country better again, I mean, it's one that was very common among Hasidic communities. Oh, really? For a long time, yeah. This was this was uh, this was a long and old-fashioned strategy of that. Well, no anti-Semite eye. No, 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 me neither. And um, don't like I'm, Nigerians. Well, well, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just a joke. I don't care. I, I I couldn't identify a Nigerian from anybody from the Congo. <laughs> I mean, what's the difference? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I get the I get the occasional emails from them telling me that some relative died and that I have to send them twenty thousand dollars and they'll make me a billionaire. But uh, mm. you have, uh, you don't take them up on that. Well, you know what's interesting? You you ever gotten those emails? Sure. You know you know how they're all misspelled. Mm-hmm. That's apparently intentional. What? To weed out the smart people. Mm. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense because like, you've got that wide of a scam going on. Yeah. You know how to fucking spell words. Right. Wow. Isn't that brilliant? Well, wait. Why don't they want smart people money? Because two reasons. Uh, smart people are more likely to oversee this whole thing and demand a certain level of proof. <laughs> and B, they're also more likely to be taken seriously if they make a complaint. They're more likely to track them down oh. and have the abilities to do that. Oh. This is how people like Creflo Dollar operate. I, I don't know what that is. Oh, he's the uh, one of those preachers who says, send him money for a jet and you'll go to heaven or something. Yeah, he intentionally makes appeal 
to the lowest common denominator, knowing that they're more likely to fall for a shtick. Yeah, well, it worked for the Love Master, I guess. You know, <laughs> it works. <laughs> it works in all realms. You do it in comedy. You do it in, uh, in music. <laughs> yeah. You do it in every way. And it, and it's uh, hey, you know, I think P.T. Barnum said it. You'll never go broke. No one ever went broke appealing to the lowest common denominator. That is for certain. Yeah, well, I wonder if P.T. really said that, or if it's one like many of those claims that just was affiliated with him. Why are you doubting the veracity of my <laughs> a man who allegedly kicked a pregnant woman in the stomach during a subway scuffle has yet to be indicted? That's 40-year-old Michael Lee, charged with attempted assault in the second degree for alleged attack on Natasha Rodney back in March. He's currently free on $7,500 bail. That's a, so it's a lot better to kick a pregnant woman in the stomach than it is to jerk off on a teen. Well, no, he, was, he had to pay more bail. $7,500? Oh, yep. 75, I thought you said 75000 No, $7,500. Well, yeah, my guess is is that maybe, uh, maybe Mr. What's-his-name-here? Um, oh, his name is uh, Michael Lee. Lee. Mr. Lee Michael here. Michael Lee. Maybe he has a little bit less of a criminal record and is not quite as brazen about disregarding the court as uh, as the masturbating Shaquille. Well, I think that you would be right about that. They certainly don't mention a, a criminal record of any kind. He's Asian, and uh, so obviously he's going to kick. You know what I mean? That's what they do. Uh, and uh, he's of the great... Uh, Lee family, he may be a descendant of Bruce Lee, for all we know. I mean, she just picked the wrong Lee, for for lack of a better word, the wrong nigga to fuck with. Somewhere, there is the right nigga to fuck with. I think that might be me. Sometimes it feels like it's me. I'm the right one. You (laughs) You certainly make it easy. (laughs) You pick the right one. (laughs) Well, uh, now, here's the thing about it, though. I don't know that he necessarily is to blame uh, for doing this, because like, if, if how much shit do you have to take physically off of a pregnant woman before you're justified in kicking her in the stomach? There has to be an amount where you go, all right, well, I'm not going to just get my ass beat, and it sounds as if they are having some sort of dispute. It was a scuffle. It's not like he just out of nowhere walked up and kicked her in the stomach. I know people say you never, ever hit a woman or kick her in the stomach, especially if she's pregnant. But generally good advice. I would say generally, but there has to come a time. Well, I, I, and a point. I'd want to know exactly how he kicked her in the stomach. He went, yeah, 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 yeah. But you have like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's. I'd like to know some of the physical because it's. I mean, let's just put it this way: unless she was on the ground, I know with my own general, you know, health and flexibility that there's no way I'm kicking her in the stomach unless she's already down. Well, that's you. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know what Michael Lee. He's forty, so he's a few years older than me. But he may train. In which case, it's even worse. He we've, really, look... we've really delved into the speculation area here. Well, this is what we always do. Yes. You know, but I, uh, I would say that um, I, I think he was on the ground is what it was. I, he, he was knocked to the ground. I, she, she knocked him to the ground, and he kicked her in the stomach. This feels very sumo-y. Hmm. Well, uh, and you can't kick in sumo. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> well, okay, now, but they haven't. Uh, here's the other part of it. No indictment yet, and 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 uh, they've delayed it uh, in some way. The attorney. This is this is this is much ado about nothing. This is so that's not a, that's not him trying to that's, that's, uh, play the system or something. No, that's that's I mean that's just that's just nonsense. Uh, that that happens in almost every single case. There's a delay between the arrest and the indictment. It's it's. I mean, it, it, perhaps I, I guess I could tell everybody what an indictment functionally is. Okay. An indictment is a grand jury has voted what's called a true bill. And a true bill means that they think that there is reasonable cause that the crime occurred and it can now go to trial. 
for any case to go to trial or have motions filed on it, and if it's a felony in New York State, it has to be before a grand jury. But you can see the inherent problems with this system because, you know, somebody's beating a woman on the streets, you want to arrest him, you can't just convene a grand jury of 23 people, tell them what happened, and then arrest him. You have to have some mechanism for a person to be arrested pre-indictment. So they came up with what's called a felony complaint. And that is you make an arrest on the felony complaint. It's a document you can't go to trial on, but you can, you can arraign somebody on, you can start a criminal action on. And a lot of DAs even have policies that they won't plea bargain with you if you make them indict the case. They won't. They will not. Why so not? my um well because if they indict the case they had to bring in witnesses and that's their way of using leverage over a defendant to try and make them take a plea. So the indictment is something that the defense initiates. Now it could be initiated by well I mean the defense can say I want this put on for the action of the grand jury, and that's a defense initiative. The prosecutor can indict anybody at any time on anything. You and I could be being indicted right now. We'd have no idea until somebody came to arrest us on the warrant. Let's get out of here. Um, I've heard the saying, you can indict a ham sandwich. That's a, that's a common common uh, phrase. That and was, I believe it was uh, Justice Wexler said that. Yes, uh, Wexler, a uh, Wexler ham. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think he tried s- to work that in, you know. I think Saul Wexler, uh, <laughs> he was the uh, Chief Justice of the uh, New York Court of Appeals. But. I'm well aware of Wexler and who he is. <laughs> well, uh, what I don't understand, though, is, like, how come this woman is, is not arrested as well? I mean, like, how come it just goes... I mean, I'm sure the circumstances of the case warrant that and everything, but isn't that some sexism? Well, I don't know if we know that. But here's a general rule for you would-be, uh, would-be criminals out there. Generally, if there's a fight, the police get called, she's pregnant, and you were fighting with her, you're probably going to jail. Yeah. That's, that's a, a pretty easy one. Yeah. It's a goddamn shame. You know, that the, the pregnant women these days are getting a lot of play uh, with the MTA because they want, they want you giving up your seat. They're giving out a button now that says, baby on board, I'm pregnant, get up and let I me sit down. I hate baby on board in cars. Yeah. Like, what, the, what the fuck do you think I'm going to do with that information? Well, that was... That's old style. Now they've gone to wearing it on their on their person. But like, uh, I remember those as baby. I, as if I just thought you were fat. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing I don't understand. And I mentioned this the other day on the Compound Show. And uh, if you didn't see it, I'm going to repeat it. Even if you did, you know, the worst thing you can do is identify a woman as pregnant. You know, <laughs> and yet when she walks on the train, you got to hop your ass up right away. You know, not only notice but jump up. That's one where I'm just a dick. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I'd rather. You don't feel like everybody's staring at me like I'm a schmuck, then get up. I, I don't see the... I'm not fucking this woman, first of all. Somebody is, not me. And uh, it's, just, it's just that old George Carlin line. I don't see why I have to change my behavior because of your inability to use birth control. Well, there you go. That's, that's well said. That's probably about as well said as it's going to get. Well, that was what George was known for. Yeah, he was a wordsmith, wasn't he? Yes, he was. But I will say this about that, about the whole thing. There's actually a woman, a case... Right? Oh, God. A guy on a subway given a, a trophy by a pregnant woman as a reward for giving up his seat so, oh, he, fuck so that she could you. sit down. Yeah, this is what this woman Jesus did. Jesus Christ. Let me just be polite without having to do a goddamn ceremony about it. Me and Julie talk about this all the fucking time. Oh, it's I, just, yeah. Well, just, it's just it's like how everything has to be a fucking event with certain people these days. Yeah. It's like, good, for God's sakes, you did a nice thing. Here's a trophy. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, I just want to go about my goddamn day. I'm just a decent person. I don't need a fucking reward for doing something that I should do anyway. 
I kind of like the trophy. Well, the woman. I mean, to me, it's like no. I mean, it is. It's like seriously. Like I, you know, my friend has kids, and is like his kid came home with it was like they every kid in the class got an award. You know what his was? This was the most fucked up award. The most honest. Like, we're now giving an award for simply telling the truth. Come the fuck on. Yeah, and he probably feels as if... Uh, he probably has the imposter complex, too, you know. Because I was also he, probably like, you're the kid that every kid in the playground hates because you're the fucking snitch. That's why you got that award. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this guy was given a trophy by a pregnant woman, and the woman said that she went nearly two years... Excuse me. Through through uh, nearly two entire pregnancies, uh, rather, without a man getting up for her. Now, here's a quote from Horse her. shit. She said this... I was getting no seats from men, she said. She, she said, you know, I had explained in, in these words that, like, she had started to think that men suck uh, over the time she had designed. Okay, so uh, this is a 38-year-old designer named uh, uh, something Lynn, one who gives a shit. And then she said, if I finally get a seat, she said, if I finally get a seat from a guy, then I have to celebrate this some way and make sure he knows he's appreciated. So... She said she got a lot of seats from women, most of whom were Latino and black women. She wanted to change the situation. Now, if, if men gave up their seats to the same amount of time or similar as women, she said, then it would be no problem. She said, I thought, you know what? It's worth it to carry it. Adding that she uh, dressed to show that she was, quote, obviously pregnant to ensure that her experiment had the best chance of succeeding. Well, it succeeded... With 30, first of all, she's saying it's like, I want to reward him. And then she's saying, it's an experiment. It's also, I'm sorry, I've also been in this situation where a pregnant woman got on the subway, I went to get up, and a woman got up before me. Yeah, of course. And not only that. Because they can't let you have that. Not only that, I don't even give a shit. Fine, she got up ahead of me. I don't treat anybody different. Um, but the other reality I have, the whole fucking, like, problem I have with this is this is literally making a scene where there is none. This is, I read an article recently. Somebody put it up on Facebook, which is, you know, the repository for block quotes and, and racist things from your old, like, high school friends. Yeah. And it's, well, somebody put up this article, and it was this woman writing to the teenage boy at the skate park and how glad she was... That, um, you know, he was nice to her daughter who was just trying to learn how to skateboard and how she thought that he was going to be a jerk and he thought he was going to be this because he looked like a tough kid. and You know, all that bullshit. Thanks for the cock block, Mom. But not only that. To me, the whole article was you were writing that you were surprised you didn't have a fight. You were going there to start. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's a similar thing here. You're right. Yeah. I guess. Because she has uh, she already has the result in mind. Yes, you know she. It's a it's a yeah. self fulfilling prophecy. I want to get to that. She and but and and, and right off this guy. His name is thirty four year old Ricky Barksdale. The trophy she was that she gave him, uh, what it said on it was, number one decent dude. That's the award he won. Number one decent total dude. fag. Uh, yeah, I, I hope I, he wasn't carrying anything that day. Well, you know, she's been carrying that thing around in her bag all this time. Yeah. That, that doesn't help when you're... I'll show you the trophy right here. This is what it looked like. Actually, that is kind of cool. It's the Hulk <laughs> yeah, ripping that's... off a shirt. I wonder if he did that when he was standing up. You know, just like, rah. And but you I can have you could get that plaque changed. Make up some other award for yourself. Yeah. Well, this guy... Because that, that award looks like you would give it to the top underground bare-knuckle boxer. 
uh, that trophy. Like that doesn't look like well, a decent dude award. Not only that, child maybe if it was a child. I'm would. not even sure I would give an award for decent dude if it was the Hulk. Because if I think of one thing we know about the Hulk, is that he wasn't necessarily a decent dude. No, he was no. just kind of an enraged dude who was green. He, David Banner hated being the Hulk. Yes, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Yes, that's what you do when you're angry. That's yes. an angry thing to do. Yes. I am green. No, she painted it gold. Here's the guy right here, by the he way. He seems yeah, like a decent dude. Right well, he, w- would you say that he's this guy... has got a healthy smile? Would, yeah. Would you say he's <laughs> handsome? He's a handsome guy. He's an actor. He seems like a... He looks like a good-looking fella. He's I don't what's think he generally... Is. He's a black guy about... He, he's 34, like I said. Yeah. Uh, bald and, and with a beard. He's I got really a like his jacket. jacket. Yeah. He's, he's, he, it's like a Nehru kind of uh, collar jacket. He's yeah. the kind of dude that, like, when you see a Diet Coke commercial... Uh, he's the guy, you know what I mean? He's he is the guy that is supposed to be the handsomest guy in the world. Yeah, now, a lot of yeah. that has to do with reverse racism and oh, shit like that. Sakes. I'm not joking. They have to. They this is what yeah. they tell everybody is good looking now. I'm not saying whatever, but I mean like he's not a bad looking guy. But I'm saying that's that's kind of what is done. It's kind of like uh, I I mean this in the way. Because I don't give a shit about this stuff. I'm not trying to be the best looking guy anyway. I got my fucking news whore Mandy stab. I'm locked down. You can't touch me. I don't give a shit about your pregnant ass to begin with. What I'm talking about is society. And I'm talking about like, uh, okay, say this. Like a, 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 an alarm company has a commercial, right? Robbers are breaking into the house. What is there? You can tell me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're going with this. They're I see Caucasian always. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Yeah. And so now the world's handsomest man whether people in reality would go out with him or not, is professed to be the 34-year-old black guy who is an actor and, and is not a, uh, an unattractive person, uh, objectively. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what he says. He contradicted her right off the bat. He said, I didn't realize she was pregnant because she was wearing all black, and it was really hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> he said, the moment I That's saw amazing. I got up immediately and said, here, ma'am, take my seat. Who was uh, uh, said so Barksdale, she was going out there solely for a fight. Who was on his way home from a stuntman training. Now, I do not appreciate the gratuitous mention of what this, uh, of what this guy was on his way home from. You know what I mean? Was, oh, I was on my way home from stuntman training. Which is also means, like, class at your local community college in, like, stage combat or something. Yeah, but stuntman <laughs> training. <laughs> like, I, I mean, did do that one time. It's pretty cool. We what did sabers and shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I, um... You did that one time? I took a theater class, in which part of it was the stage <laughs> combat. It was, uh... You're gonna love what happened to me at this. Okay, Pat, here's your, here's your reverse okay. racism. This okay. is a story of Jim at a... I had a um, the, the theater professor was was like a combination of the stereotypical gay theater producer, but give him John Lovett's voice. Oh boy! And um, he was always about like challenging things, and he he would one of his big assignments at the end was you had to deliver a monologue that was absolutely wrong for you. And so, guess which one he gives me? He gives me the "I Live the Answer" monologue from Raisin in the Sun. Mm-hmm. Now you're looking at me right now. Mm-hmm. And you had to make it your own. Maybe a cr- maybe a craisin in the sun. A craisin in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. No, I I uh, so I actually did it as uh, you know it's in my village at home. It's the man that you know it's the nobleman that ever sees a book. So I did it as um as a, a refugee from Bosnia because oh. that was the only way it could have feasibly made sense to me. And was that permitted? Uh he loved it, but. I also discovered something. 
I have no ability to do a Bosnian accent. Uh, well, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was actually the most racist thing about this whole thing. Kind of funny. I sort of see that down, coming down Main Street there. I've never heard you do any <laughs> accent, really. I could do Irish. Well, yeah, Irish, of course. Yeah, because yeah, Irish. Irish. Yeah, you heard, you heard it in your childhood. You yes. are Irish. Yes. That's, that, in fact, it's barely an accent. It's like me doing a southern accent. It's yeah. Just, <laughs> it's just, it's just kind of deep down the way you hear things. All right, I'm fine. <laughs> now, you don't start that shit now. I don't even want to hear that. I don't even know what the hell you're saying, man. I don't, I don't understand you neither. You sound kind of like uh, Matthew McConaughey, but dumb. Er. <laughs> he always sounds like he's slowly stroking it when he talks. Yeah, he has a, uh, yeah. All right. Well, here's something that is significant about this. Uh, Dr. Victor Klein, we're all familiar, Vice Chairman of Quality and Patient Safety for Northwell Health's OBGYN service. OBGYN service. Which is a big job. I mean, Northwell's a huge health company. Is it really? They're everywhere. I think they even, I think they recently took over um, Nassau University Medical Center, and I think they actually merged with um, Long Island Jewish uh, North Shore Hospital. Big deal. Then. Yeah. Uh, from a scientific point of view, he says... It's not going to make a difference whether a woman stands on a subway for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, or not. So, well, there's you just a... get that out of your head. I mean, like, I, and I said this the other day on Compound, too. My mom, my mom uh, before she gave birth to me, was picking beans, picking green beans in a fucking garden. And so, uh, yeah. That's it, amazing. It's, 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 it's That's so... Well, back then, people had a little bit more going on. I guess. How about this? <laughs> you know, bizarre new directive bars police officers from... Crashing an obnoxiously loud party on a noise complaint. It used to be police could forcibly enter into private or semi-private uh, premises to correct noise complaints on the order of a precinct commander, uh, that's a, or slash duty captain, and then only as a last resort after request to stop the noise has been ignored. Well, the new order says warrantless entry is not authorized. Members are advised that in cases are advised in, that in cases uh, where an unreasonable noise condition exists on private property and the owner of the premises refuses to cease the noise, members may return on the following day and issue a summons as appropriate. So basically, you know, the cops come and they say, turn the music down, you go, no. And you don't invite them in and then they leave. And then if they feel like it, they come back and give you like probably a $250 ticket. Yeah, it's kind of scary. It is scary. It's very scary. Now, why do you think they've done this? Well, this is where we're going. This is this is the future. People people think that the right to be you know inconvenienced is greater than any of the other civil liberties. They don't mind being safe and sacrificing liberty, and that's that's where we're going. Wait a second. I mean, they're not sacrificing liberty. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're letting people into their homes that are unauthorized to be there. You're about to warrantlessly go into somebody's home on a noise complaint because they didn't comply. No, that's the way it used to be. Am now, I getting something wrong here? No, I must yeah, be. yeah, yeah. Now I they're saying you cannot, you cannot enter the home under any circumstances without being invited in. There's no warrantless entry at all. See, now I think that's the way we're going. It's because I think we're seeing a loosening of the laws, especially in New York. I'm for that. Well, okay. So why now? Why do you think that's happening now? Uh, that I don't know. Well, we've got to, you know, honestly, this is, this is the one offshoot of having a very liberal administration. Civil liberties are back to being protected. What about the civil liberties of the people who live in the building? That's not a liberty. To have... Uh... That's a nuisance. That's a difference. Okay. Well, I mean... They're not saying you can't punish the people for doing the deed. They're saying you can't violate their privacy. That's a different thing. 
Okay, but what about in public? What's the difference? I mean, you know, why not just say you can walk around with a no, bullhorn no. and scream in people's if you're face? Walking, that's not what they're talking about. You don't I know need, it's not what they're talking about. You don't need a warrant to, to issue someone a summons in that situation. You technically don't even need a warrant to issue someone a summons who's committing a noise violation. You need a warrant to enter their property. You right. can't do that now. Right. That's really all it's saying. Right. And I agree with that. Okay, well, what if the noise is sounds like another crime being committed? That's different. There's a whole doctrine called exigent circumstances. If you have reason to believe a crime is being committed or you have reason to believe that, uh, that um, evidence is being destroyed that's, that's necessary for the prosecution, then, then you are allowed to, to make a warrantless entry. Okay, now what if the sound is a, a horrible screaming uh, it sounds like things are being thrown around the room, uh, around the apartment, around the home. And uh, the guy comes to the door and goes, that's the music. That's all that is, is the music. I know it sounds like shit. It's throbbing gristle, okay? That's who I'm into. And I'm listening to this industrial, and, and you know, what, what's a cop to do then? What if he's convinced that it isn't the music? The cop has a real reasonable belief that it isn't the music. So, Probably based on something other than a gut feeling. Right. Then he would make a warrantless entry. So that's what we have to but do. But if the music or the if it's a TV show, say it's a movie, say it's a horror movie. A horror movie. If that's not that unreasonable of a belief, if if you you know, if the guy's opening the door saying, No, it's just a horror movie I'm watching, you see the TV's on, you don't see anybody in there, he has no indication that there's blood all over him or anything well, like that. Well, that's what, what if he's not what if you can't see the TV? What if it's just a guy? I mean the point of it is is it's gotta be a reasonable belief and you've gotta swear to that in a in a deposition if you make any arrest. Well and, and all this to me is beside the point because I don't know that your civil liberties you don't get to yell fire in a crowded theater and I and I understand the difference is that one is in your home mm-hmm. but like uh, isn't there some kind of a notion that you you can't just like make people's lives miserable uh, in in your apartment building well we certainly think there is now yeah I mean it's 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 Do you think there that's unreasonable? are there are nuisance laws that are perfectly allowed there are there are consequences to doing things like that up to when they can yield a full eviction mm-hmm well, it's very hard to evict people. It in is, New York. but it's still it's still a legal remedy on something like that. Do I think it's a right to live nuisance free? No, I don't. I don't think it is a fundamental right. Well, I you know, nobody lives nuisance free. No, but I think that there's some nuisances you can reasonably, you know, carve out and and say, look, like we don't have to put up with that shit. But I also don't think you should lay be that gives anybody the right to have police enter their home unwarranted. Well, okay, I mean, I, I see the legal argument. I'm saying as a personal argument. I mean, there's, there's the, the fundamental key to everything the Constitution stems from is, is that your personal home is essentially a sanctuary. It is the one thing that cannot be violated. New York v. Payton has said that. New York v. Belton has said that. Everything that centers around, I mean, even though there's not privacy isn't a right that's enumerated in the Constitution, nearly every one of the unlawful search search uh, amendment speaks to a right to privacy. Mm-hmm. And moreover, New York has codified it in um, both its own constitution as well as the case law that centers around it. You can't just come into people's homes because they're annoying others. You can't just come into people's homes because you think they're doing something illegal in there. Well, And, and you, need, you need an actual warrant. You need that warrant to come from legitimate probable cause that you're willing to swear to, and then that warrant needs to be signed off by a judge who's reviewed that document. I'd like to see this put to the test, and I'll tell you how. 
I would like to have it put to the test in a project building mm-hmm. where a guy is loudly playing his Ku Klux Klan rally from 1986. He recorded it on a shitty cassette player. It is just horrible sounding. And they're talking about white power, and they're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, all the many things that are so repulsive. And uh, I'd like to see the mayor say, well, no, he has the right to do that, and I don't want him disturbed. Well, no, you're missing a fuse. Does he have the right to, to, to enjoin the enjoyment of others? No, he doesn't, but you don't have the right to enter his house. You have the right to summons him. You have the right to demand he appear in court. You have the right to enact eviction proceedings in front of him. If, and I can see this, if a situation arises in which the noise is an actual damage to to the health and safety of others, if it's actually causing problems, it's shattering windows, it's so deafening that, like, eardrums are bleeding... I mean, that that might be a different situation. Even in that situation, it seems to me, now you've got enough of an emergency to call on the duty judge who's on duty 24-7, sign off to the warrant, and go on into the home. Right. In the meantime, a lot of bloody pillows upstairs. It seemed like a clear case of rape. This is Greenpoint. A young woman found crying on a Greenpoint sidewalk in broad daylight. She told passersby... Passersby, that she had been dragged into a portable toilet and sexually assaulted by two men who also stole her phone. One of the suspects was seen hoisting up his pants as he fled. Uh, but by the next morning, the story had changed. NYPD investigators let the man go without charging them, both of them, uh, because the 26-year-old woman had recanted her claim, and uh, she had said she didn't want to go ahead with charges. A decision by law enforcement officials not to proceed with the case triggered a public backlash and revealed a sharp division between the way law enforcement and victim advocates interpret the facts. Well, a lot to this story. You know, I mean, like, uh, one guy uh, who is happens to be a former, uh, he's a former sex crimes prosecutor turned defense lawyer. His name is Matthew Galuzzo. You know him? Yeah, I do. Uh, he said that when it comes to cases like the Greenpoint assault claim, Shifting storylines by the victim creates a mountain of doubt. Presents a moral dilemma for the prosecutor. He's not wrong. He says, as a DA, I have an ethical obligation to not prosecute a case if I have reservations about it. A moral obligation, he says. An ethical obligation. Which is, you know, he said, if I don't think he's guilty and there's a possibility that he's innocent, I couldn't do that as a prosecutor. I'm sorry. It would be a reckless thing for me to do. And he goes on to say, if I were somehow representing uh, one of these two young men, and you told me that the woman had told one story up front, and that uh, she then told me a second story that basically exonerated my boys, and then she told a third story where she pointed a finger at my clients, I would basically laugh at trial. You have to prove this beyond a reasonable doubt to 12 people. So it's a practical matter. Yes. And uh, it's not a matter of like being in favor of rape or being light on rapists or... You know, anything like that. It's it's like there is... I think that this is where a lot of, you know, people in general sort of err in, in this whole thing, is that they don't realize that, like, yeah, it's not enough to just, you know, know somebody's guilty and want them to go to jail, because if you presume guilt, then it's a police state, and they can just round up anybody on little or no evidence. We don't want that. We have a nation of laws, innocent until proven guilty. Am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, this is a huge problem in rape cases. It's always a huge problem in rape.
rape cases. Mm-hmm. There's a whole victim psychology that there's, there's some legitimacy to, but it's one that does not translate well into an adversarial judiciary system. It just, it's, it's, it's a dilemma that my guess is is going to be in place as long as we have the system of justice that we utilize. Because there's really no reconciling it. Well, you know, at some point, when that argument is made so frequently, like in every case, it seems, they, you know, if, if a woman recants, if she doesn't want to proceed, then we're told, well, this is the reason. Yep. Insensitive cops, and it's just like, a, it's just a, a standard move. It's like the en passant uh, opener in chess or something. You know it's coming. And that can't always be true, but it's it's given that way. Now, here's other. She also cut herself in the past, which uh, I don't see how that's particularly relevant. But well, I'll explain how it, how it's put. Uh, first of all, the fact that the woman could not tell investigators where she had been drinking before the incident could be seen as an indication of her level of inebriation, but it could also be used to portray to portray her as unreliable. In addition, police also noted in the report that the victim had scars on her arms and had admitted to cutting herself in the past, which former prosecutor and defense attorney Seema Iyer said could be used at trial. That can be used at trial. Well, I mean, if you're saying that these injuries were caused by the defendant's rape, but they were actually caused by something else, so you have reason to question why these injuries were caused, yeah, that absolutely could be used at trial. Oh, but what if, you know, uh, if there, it says if there's evidence that she cut herself in the past, and that indicates some mental health issues, Iyer said. That could also be that. And they may be present, or they may have been present in the past. Now, uh, being mentally ill, she may not have the capacity to consent. It depends on her level of inebriation. It all goes to the ability to perceive. Well, you know, and, and, and a survivor intimidated by authorities, it says. And the next, that's the next little section of this article. And I say, you know what? You don't know that. You just don't know that. She's not even claiming that. It's all being claimed on her behalf. Advocates for sex assault survivors point to investigators' inclusion of those details, which they say are re- irrelevant to the case, as you did in a knee-jerk way, as symptomatic of NYPD hostility to rape and sexual assault victims, which I do not... I just don't think cops like rapists. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't agree that the NYPD is insensitive to rape victims. Uh, it's. It's. You know what it is. It's. I'm going to go even bigger. This is indicative of a society that has no appreciation for nuance. Yeah. I mean, it really I mean, is. It, it is. It is a society that cannot handle the concept of nuance. Right. And not and everybody who claims they've been raped were raped. Just like some people who were raped will recant their stories. These are both very realistic scenarios. I believe that. That happen constantly. And if we had any ability to look at these cases instead of make literally everything a sensation or not a sensation, if, if we could understand the, you know, the, the, the simplicities and the interest and, and, and intricacies. intricacies of these particular situations, then it would go a long way to making this whole thing a little bit more rational. But no, I don't think the NYPD is insensitive to rape and assault victims, I, I don't think any more than any other particular crime, and I do think that rape presents prosecutors with a very difficult crime to prosecute. And when you're not doing yourself or the investigators any favors, or, when you change everything and when you don't want to go forward, it's I don't know what w- could be expected. There was a huge outcry about this in Greenpoint and, mm-hmm. uh, and in Brooklyn in general, and it's there's really nothing else they could have done. I mean, if, if the woman doesn't want to proceed, there really is no evidence uh, uh you know, there's, there's obviously the guys admit that uh, whatever happened happened, 
but they they say it was all consensual. Uh, the woman had broken up with her boyfriend that day. That's why she was drinking heavily in the day. This was like during the day, mm-hmm. like about six o'clock, uh, going into the evening. And it, you know, furthermore, she blew a guy minutes after meeting him on the street. Okay. And she blew him inside a porta potty. So you know, I know that you're not supposed to use uh, their. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not so sure that is per se relevant, but it's. I think it is. Yeah, I know you do, but it's I don't. Um it's it's uh I how mean can, how can that be irrelevant? Did that guy rape her? She claiming that guy raped her? Nope. Yeah, it's But I mean, the guy they... that was with her with him rather, it was two guys. She blew the first guy in the porta potty. He comes out with a smile on his face. Somehow the guy gets her phone in his hand and he says, I'll give you back your phone if you blow me. No, that's the right. Okay. Uh or is it a bargain? That's right. It sounds to me like they've struck a bargain. No, it sounds to me like it's kind of like you took her property and are demanding it back. It seems to me it's a bit extortion. Extortion? That's a yeah. strong I mean, word. It seems to me that's a rape. That's a sex assault. Well, this thickens the plot because when they found him, he still had the phone on him. Yeah. Meaning she must not have blown him. Or maybe or she he, did and he, he didn't welched, give it back. Or yeah. he welched. Yeah. yeah. If he welched... That's possible. I mean, accumulating sex under extortionary measures or, or false pretenses is a sexual assault. That, and it should be. It absolutely should be. Well, I mean, you know, or maybe it's breach of contract. Well, call maybe it what you will, though there should be consequences. It's not breach of contract. It's well, simply, it's You, you it's wouldn't consider this an oral contract? No, I wouldn't, Pat. I wouldn't, Pat. <laughs> and that was a terrible uh, pun. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Now, leaving this case aside... Um, to some degree, but yeah, no. This is this is a, this is a problem. I want to say now, there's another narrative that that you know rape victim advocates use that I think is a little bit uh, threadbare, and I think that it's stretched to the limit too often. And, and this is a quote: "Traumatic events are not going to be created and stored and then recalled in the same way." It sounds like a very simple explanation. Now I know that a woman might not remember if the guy had a green shirt or a brown shirt, and she might not remember if he was like exactly. Uh, you know, tall or just medium tall, or there could be a lot of things that could, you know, what color car did he drive, or you know, what what was every building around you, stuff like that. You know what I mean? I'm sure. not talking about that shit. I'm talking about severe changes in the story. Like, no, they didn't drag me in. I willingly walked in and blew him. You know, that doesn't. That's hard for me to think of as a, as like. You know, because some of the reasons they get, she says, just focusing on survival. This is a quote again from this uh, rape advocate. Her name is uh, something uh, Torielli. Uh, just focusing on survival, heart rate and breathing, muscle control, all of the mechanisms in the body that all kind of work together just to get through that experience. And the cognitive part is very secondary at that point. I just, and, and, she, and she says, if they're rushed by investigators to try to fill in the gaps in their story, that's where inconsistencies may happen. To me, that's like saying, give her some time to figure out a story that's ironclad with some sort of an advocate who can go, this is the best way to tell this. It, much in the same way that a defense attorney might say, yeah, you didn't know because you didn't get the phone call. You know what I mean? They'll give you the facts, right? Like, you didn't know the gun was loaded, right? Mm-hmm. No, of course not, you know. I don't, I, I mean, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think there probably is an element of that. But, I mean, like, anybody who doesn't think that prosecutors prepare their witnesses or investigators um, um, lead their witnesses is just fooling themselves. I mean, that's the entire point of things like preparation. 
No, it's trying but, to win instead of trying to get to justice. And I agree, but at the same time, look, could somebody, you know, fill in the gaps on something like that? Sure, sure they could. But that means you've got a bit of a problem if you're a prosecutor. That means you've got a bit of a problem because now you are going to have something the defense attorney is going to jump all over one way or another. But now here's my answer to this, though. If you really believe she's been raped, sometimes shit's hard. Oh, yeah. Sometimes things are just hard. Sometimes you have to work a little bit differently. Sometimes you have to roll the dice and you have to go forward. You believe she was raped. There are some old inconsistencies, but you believe they're adequately explained. You try that case and you risk losing it. If you don't, you don't try that case. It's just, I mean, that's the simplicity. And victims' advocates will never like that. And they shouldn't. They're advocates. They're doing their job. But the problem is, is that you can't then turn around and say that these people aren't doing anything. But don't you think that they lose credibility by applying the same argument blanket across every case? Well, I think everybody does in these situations. And that's the problem. And that's why I said we just don't have any sense of nuance. Yeah, I agree. Okay. We don't have any we don't have any concept of of nuance. And and ironically, this is a system that was designed to be very nuance heavy. Mm-hmm. It's right. a system that was supposed to be you know, filled with with every story's different. Everybody gets their day in court means that everybody's experience is different. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, that it w- it would have it would have been a good way to go had people been able to retain, you know, some sense of uh like you said of nuance. It's uh <laughs> it's 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 not going to happen because you know what? It, it it gets worse and worse. It gets people are more generalized now than ever. Well, know? more things are just criminal now. We have hyper criminalized everything. Yeah. We have really hyper I mean you know, I see this case all the time. You're a libertarian at heart, I can tell. I, I, I am very big on civil liberties. But where I, where I kind of defer from libertarians is I'm not sure I really believe businesses are, purpose, are persons for the purpose of that. But that's a whole different discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, I mean, you know, but uh, as for civil liberties, yes, I think, I think I am decidedly in favor of civil liberties. But we are hyper-criminalized. We are a society that is hyper-hyper-criminalized right now. And, and, and do you see that favoring any one group or another or, or disfavoring any group or another? I think it does both for everybody. I think, it, I think it favors people at times and it disfavors others at all. And I think in the long run, it disfavors all of us. There you go. Well, here's an interesting case. A court-appointed lawyer left documents containing the names and addresses of child abuse victims and even explicit details about their cases to be scattered on a busy Midtown street. There's a photo of him. Do you know Robert F. Himmelman? I, I have seen that guy, but yeah. I don't know him personally. He, I've seen him around the court before. Well, he said, like, well, I guess I need to get somebody to watch these documents a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Uh, these are very sensitive. The, the breach involved 13 uh, city and state case files of detailed juvenile delinquency custody cases. Uh, the lawyer should have shredded those files, uh, says a 46-year-old woman whose child was the 13-year-old victim of a 2009 physical assault, which was detailed in one file. Yeah, you don't want that information out. It contains social security numbers and addresses no. and uh, school histories and, you know, just all kinds of shit. Medical records, uh, uh, details. Uh, there's one, uh, children being, uh, several uh, children being sexually abused and uh, some of them had tire tracks on them. <laughs> oh. So, I don't know how long it took them to find them. They were out there for a while. Somebody uh, found them and did the right thing. I got, like, who would do the wrong thing with something like that? You live in fear of doing this as a lawyer. Oh, really? I do all the time. I mean, you should. Clearly, he maybe didn't. Um, but, no, I do all the time. I mean, you know, sometimes I'll have, like, a huge trial file that I'm not going to use that night. Mm-hmm. 
but I need it for court the next day, I will, you know, I'll be taking it to my house, and I'll be like, ah, oh, you know, it's a huge bag. I should just leave it in my trunk. I never do. Yeah. I just never, know, never huh? absolutely do. I take it up to the house. There is a, actually a whole file cabinet in my house and that Julie doesn't even have a key to. She's never been in it. She doesn't, you know, because it's all stuff that I work on from home. I never even share it with her. Don't yeah. let her know how she could get at it. It's just, I live in fear of this. Yeah, you got to keep that child born somewhere. Uh, now, a city lawyer, this is very interesting, couldn't keep quiet during a routine deposition. She objected more than 600 times. I love court shit. I just love to hear what you have to say about it. That's excessive, isn't it? Well, it depends. How long was the deposition? Uh, or, well, it was routine. Uh, well, so yeah, they say mean, routine. But, I mean, there very few well, depositions are routine. Okay, okay, we'll get to that because that's in the that's in the uh, lead. So, uh, Amatula Booth, a senior assistant corporation counsel for the city's law department, dodged reporters' questions. Uh, you know, can you refer to your uh, for all your? She said, refer all your comments to Nick uh, Pellucci, who, as you know, who that is. Is uh, the is it the um spokesman for the law department? Yeah. Right. Yeah. She climbed inside a car. Now she was hit with court ordered sanctions for raising uh, the hundreds of object uh, of objections. Uh, That's the risk you're on. Okay. Now it was an eight hour deposition. That's a long deposition. Yeah. That is, uh, I mean, like you do the math. That's that's less than two hundred an hour, but that's a lot. That's a lot. Now she's a, she's very uh, she objects to everything. Now, what would lead somebody to do that? Inexperience. It's a possibility. I mean, maybe I don't do a lot of depositions. Um, they're mostly in civil cases, but um, it, it probably took eight hours because of all the fucking objections. It's very likely because oftentimes an objection, you then have to actually get a judge to rule on it, which means you have to stop the deposition, either get the judge on the phone or actually go to the judge's chambers with the court reporter. Because depositions aren't usually conducted in the courtroom. They're usually conducted at private law firms. Okay. Well, this uh, Brooklyn federal court judge ordered the city to pay attorney's fees and cost of the deposition, which could total more than ten grand. The judge also accused Booth, who objected to nearly every question, <laughs> <laughs> of feeding answers to the witness. And that was a uh, police officer, John Essig. Yeah, I mean that sounds like sounds like she was going a little wild there. Frequently, counsel's objections included extraneous comments, which is. A, that question's call for speculation were vague, leading uh, what had been asked and answered. At times, her comments seemed to be suggesting answers to the witness. That's according to Judge Cheryl Pollock. Well, that's, that's absurd. I'm sorry, that's absurd. All of those are relevant objections. Calls for speculation is a relevant objection. Vague or leading are relevant objection, and asked and answered are relevant objections. You have a right. Judges hate when you do it, and I do it all the time. You go, objection, hearsay, objection, asked and answered. And the reason I want to do that is, is because if I'm going to lose, I want the record preserved for appeal. But judges never like it when you do that. But you don't want too bad. You have a right to. And well, I mean, I, I think 600 is probably a lot. But don't you think it depends on what she's objecting to in context? Like, it, it, I mean, I know oh, of course are, it does. I'm just saying, valid I'm just reasons. saying that, that she's not like, objection, I'm hungry. Yeah, you know? no, I mean, I'm just saying is that the judge picking on the fact that she would say that those were extraneous comments, that's not an extraneous comment. That's a valid way of making an objection. Oh, well, I mean, I don't think that she was saying that those, that the, the following, the, the statement following, I object. Well, it sounds like it. I mean, if you extraneous. read that sentence, it seems that way. Okay. Frequently, counsel's objections included extraneous comments, such, such as, that, as that questions called for speculation were vague, leading, or had been asked and answered. I wonder if Cheryl Pollock really sounds that way. I'm doing a spot-on impression. <laughs> very 
familiar with uh, with uh, Cheryl Pollock. Well, I guess uh, the extraneous comments uh, would uh, it would it would it would be extraneous, I guess, in the way the judge is using the word if it was inaccurate. As if it's ah, not vague. Boy, you are a Trump supporter. You sure spend a lot of time explaining people who are supposed to be speaking pretty straight. Mm. I'm just saying, man, that is that is not how well, I interpret that. Yeah. I, I, I I, to me, that sounds like she said her making objections, such as asked and answered or vague questions, were lead, were extraneous. I, that's not extraneous. It sounds like she but did make several extraneous... I mean, I, I don't want to argue, but uh, it sounds as if you're sort of explaining away some pretty ridiculous behavior here. Uh, I'm not. I'm just saying if you're going to call those extraneous, then that's just a judge being wrong. Well, this fucking girl looks like Flip Wilson. She and does look a bit like Flip Wilson. Yeah. That is actually true. <laughs> if there was like, <laughs> if there were Groucho glasses, but they were Flip Wilson glasses, <laughs> that's what they would look like. That's a ridiculous looking person. And uh, I, I, mean, I would I, say ridiculous, but it does. She really? does have a Flip Wilson look to her. I mean, Flip. Wilson. Oh come on! For God's sake, Pat! This is New York City. I see twenty people looking more ridiculous. He's than objectively him. ridiculous looking. I think that it's been a fascinating conversation, yes. Jim. Yes, and, it has. And, uh, you know, like I am always going to try to stay out of. Uh, out of jail and out of uh, you know arrest in harm's way. But if I ever find myself running up against that, I have you in my phone and I will call you at that number. And I always get this number wrong, so I'm I'm gonna read Ready? it out of my phone. Yeah, let's let's hear it. Okay, it is five one six two eight zero nine zero three five. Okay, nine one six three two seven. Nine four, eight five. Right. That's it. You're kidding. Two eight zero nine zero three five. You're kidding. I just said a bunch of numbers. I thought for sure that was wrong. Let me make sure I have this right. I have you. I have you in my favorites. You have my cell phone too. I'm not giving that out as much anymore. Oh, I understand. Oh, I'm calling you now. Oops. Yes, you are. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, okay, I'll see if I have your office number. I don't. Okay, give it to me one more time. All right, ready? It's 516. Into the mic. 516. 516. 280. 280. 9035. 9025. 35. 35. All right. Well, and, and call Jim Polk at Mazium Polk. You got it. Making justice work for you no matter what. It's a guarantee. If you don't get off, he quits the practice of criminal law, <laughs> just like just like Howie Greenberg. That's what Howard said. I, I don't make such a promise. And uh, to take us out, uh, I want to listen to this from Australia. As a guy gets arrested, sent to me by a, a cop who told me it was the, the funniest arrest that he's ever seen. You're going to get the audio. I'll show the video on Compound Media. And uh, check that show out. Live on Mondays at 7. And also, we're, we're working something up for 4 o'clock. Uh, on Friday, so it'll be twice a week. It's like a TV show, okay? Uh, and uh, Tom Schlue will be my guest on Friday. Check this out. I'll sit down inside the car. We're not assuring anything. We're under arrest. Look, I'm under what? Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Have a look at the headlock here. See that chap over there? He Get your hand off my penis! This is the bloke who got me on the penis before. Get some cups. Why did you do this? Get some cups. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? Oh, that's a nice headlock, sir. Oh, ah, yes. I see that you know your judo well. Good one. 
And you, sir, are you waiting to receive my limp penis? How dare get your hands on is it over? Find out how to get extra content and bonus material from this and other shows. Go to patreon.com slash NYC. Check it out. Support New York City Crime Report. Go to patreon.com slash NYC. A lot of racial shit this year. A lot of racial shit.